0: Hello everyone and welcome to player four five six a squid game podcast. Thank you for tuning back in. My name's still Colin and joining me is my good friend Jack.
1: Yes how are you Colin? I really enjoyed our conversation on the last episode man. Lots of interesting stuff.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I mean, it's been a good 30 seconds or so since we finished recording that first episode.
1: So... Don't let people behind the curtain come on, man.
0: <laughs> so I've had a lot of time to soak it in. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Looking forward to this one as well. And the action doesn't stop. It just keeps going on in this episode. I mean, we are doing a plan to try and put out an episode, a podcast episode per episode of the show. But there's so much going on, we're basically a third of the way through the episode and we got to 40 odd minutes. So, this might be a longer running series than we first anticipated. But if it's good and you enjoy it, then more content the better, eh?
1: Yeah, tell your friends. We meet Sang Hu, his mother, who runs a little sort of fish market basically. And there's a picture of Sang Hu there who comes into it at some point. He's a successful guy, basically. And I get the feeling that there is already a sense of some sort of commentary here, basically, about futures traders, capitalism, bankers, and as he is on a business trip, mate, is that the creepiest sort of excuse that you always hear for guys he was on a business trip? Especially these sort of bankers and really rich people. Are they on business trips or are they out there doing business, naughty things where does your mind go when you hear that phrase
0: they're hearing it I th- I th- it's great because we, we just spoke about for, for quite a while about our main character and all the flaws he has and the things that aren't quite right about his personality and all the issues he's got in his life and then it shows you this other guy who is a success has a good job and is making a, a good name for himself or so you would believe and you automatically just think don't like this guy yeah, don't like this guy, this guy's a prick. Yeah, exactly. So it, it does, like, it's it's done such a good job, such a good, good job of um, building up Song Ji Hoon for us that it's it's very, very clever. And the the guy that you'd expect to be the normal guy, good job, successful guy, you just think, nah, I'll stick
1: with Song, thanks. Yeah, so uh, Sang hoos mother gives Ji Hoon some fish, and he undercuts her for it by 2001. Yeah, a pound or two gives her a fiver, but it's worth about six quid. But anyway, again, just a nice wee thing. Meets a cat, stray cat, feeds it. Again, just saying, oh, he's a nice guy, he likes cats. More character building, basically.
0: That's what exactly this, this first episode's all about.
1: There's a turning point here, but mate, because obviously his daughter couldn't tell him what's happening in her life, but he gets home uh, to his mum's and she basically tells him, look, your daughter, your ex-wife, and the new stepdad are going to be moving... To the United States, basically, and this is the icing on an already pretty shitty day for this guy. And it is a real turning point, I think, because he does obviously love his daughter. Uh, absolutely, mate. He's
0: from all the stuff that you've seen about one of the trials and tribulations, his daughter is his, is his North Star, isn't it? That's the one thing that he's got that's important and he wants to get right and he's working towards and trying to make the best of. And for a guy like him that's in so much debt, so little money, and so much, so little opportunity. If she's moving to the United States, they may as well be moving her to Mars because it's the end of that relationship and who knows when he'll ever see her again. And that will knock the stuffing out of you as a father.
1: I'm not a father myself, but I imagine, I, I would imagine that. His mother brings up the money thing. like Money basically gives you more chance of getting custody of a child, which is a real life thing. If you can provide for your children, you've obviously got more chance of keeping custody, he's desperate because he's obviously not got a. I'm going to use a Scottish phrase here, a pot to piss in. He is skint. So what does he do, mate? He gives this.
0: He gets the business card out, doesn't he? And he calls the mystery money, man. Um, Quick question for you. When you first saw the business card and the logo on it, did you think about the PlayStation?
1: Yeah, I thought about the poor X button. Like, oh, getting left behind. They probably
0: couldn't use that because it would be too playstation at that point. But yeah, I did like the, every time I
1: saw the logo throughout the whole show, I always thought the PlayStation. Again, I mentioned that the soundtrack. There's a lot of classical music getting used here and it just fits. Our theme is a Tchaikovsky song that we use. He gets used throughout the show. has serenade for strings. You've got Hayden's trumpet concerto and E-flat major. There you are. And Strauss. So these are guys that you will have heard of, like classical music, it just again this ultra modern show with classical music is that split, that duality that we've been speaking about so much, and it but it does fit, it's just it's just fucking really well done.
0: It's really well done. It's it's also it's also a production decision as well, remember, because this is a show that the the Netflix helped co-create and financed, so they would always have had the expectation that this was going to go worldwide and you can put dubbing in for the actors, you can put subtitles in for the dialogue, but if it, if you've got heavy beat music playing through it and lyrics and stuff like that, it becomes a whole lot harder. So putting the classical music in and the instrumental stuff, it just makes it a lot easier to sell this show around the world as well.
1: And is that a little bit of a money saver then? Because I know there are some copyright issues around music of a certain age, and I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I imagine it's... Either free or much much cheaper to get something that's a hundred and fifty or two hundred years old, rather than Billy Eilish or something, because you you can almost see ultra modern music working as well. I think if they made that choice to do it, it would it would fit as well.
0: I think yeah, the the, the classical stuff would have been because it's sold, it's it's out of um it's right library now, so you can you can you can use it without paying a fee. So it would have helped in that regard, but. Looking around this show, there doesn't seem to be a lot of corners getting cut in terms of budget, in terms of set design, in terms of scope, in terms of how they've created the different challenges and the different games and stuff like that. So as Netflix, let's be honest, I don't think sh- they make many decisions to save money. It could be a licensing thing, mate, because you see yourself on... If you watch... There's a, we're from Scotland and there's a Scottish um, comedy called Still Game that some people have heard some won't have. Depending upon what country you watch that in, it has a completely different theme tune because the rights if- to the music that it, yeah the rights to the music that it uses is so expensive, and you do have to pay musical rights country to country. So there is those things as well. A lot of things on Netflix have got different, different intro music or outro music
1: to what you'd originally have seen that program on on the television years previously. Yeah, this is a little bit off of topic but we've had this conversation on another podcast about Netflix and their metadata that they put into shows and how they basically go through frame by frame did you read that thread I posted about Netflix and the amount of money and time they spend on picking artwork for shows?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because they they don't trust the shows to do it themselves. Um, they I mean originally the shows were doing it and they were sending stuff in the wrong format, the wrong size. It wasn't great. They did so much analysis into things like how many people are in the picture because if, if a if a picture for a thumbnail has more than two characters, apparently it turns people off and various other bits. pieces, there's a real kind of human science into it and all the work they do to make you press that play button. It's it's quite something.
1: Yeah, we're hoping that there's going to be listeners from all over the place watching this. Your artwork will be different on your Netflix than it is to ours because they go into granular detail on your location, basically, and what works best in America or Russia or Australia won't work best in the United Kingdom. So you've probably seen different artwork from us, but it is very much... I think they call it A-B testing, basically. And Netflix have been accused of... Like, in certain countries, they'll put a, a black and a white character on the artwork. and other countries, will put two white or two blacks, whatever. And they have been sort of pulled up on that. But it works for them and the amount of money they're spending on it. Again, the Squid Game artwork's absolutely fantastic. And it's a promo. It's a promo thing. It obviously gets you involved as well. This has been the real weirdness starts calling. He's picked up in a... Looks like a taxi, basically. But it's not a normal taxi, obviously. No, it's not. It's it's. it's I, I I always thought of this when I was
0: watching it. I almost thought, right, this this is this this is travelling to Hogwarts now. This is like the their version of the Hogwarts Express or the night bus. But yeah, it's it's a quite a, it's a large van and everybody in it is sleeping apart from the driver, which seems odd. But then he gets in, sleeping gas kicks in, he's knocked out himself, and you realise that the squid game has begun in some ways, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, this is when he wakes up in this massive dormitory with hundreds upon hundreds of highly stacked uh, bunk beds. Basically, he's wearing a green tracksuit, and he's got his number there, four, five, six. I think this is shot really well as well. There's sort of a, such a synchronicity to everybody sort of waking up at the same time and then sort of climbing down and coming together and standing. The way they stand in this big dormitory is, It's the way they've shot it, obviously. uh, Very much something that you you kind of, again, maybe I'm being a little bit clichéd here, but it's kind of something that you think about when you think of the Eastern career and things like that as conformity and synchronicity and being in line and stuff like that. And it's very much set up like an army, almost, as if they're standing to attention, but they've not been really told to. Like, There's no indication from the staff at any point Standing lines, that's just the way that they line up, and again, it's just visually stunning.
0: It really is, yeah. Uh, and the, the, the foreshadowing begins here as well, even though you're not aware of it yet and you can't see it properly. But you've got 456 bunk beds in this room, and obviously, as the show goes on, these bunk beds start to disappear and reduce in number quite substantially. But on the wall, behind all the bunk beds, there's actually images and graphics of all the Squid games they're going to play and take part in, but you don't get to see it properly until the show kicks on a little bit. You can just see that there's a little bit of something on the wall, but you've got no idea what it is.
1: I'd never even noticed that with my second time round and I had read that they were there.
0: You don't see much of it. Yeah, in episode one you really don't see much of it. You see I think it's episode three, four onwards, you start to really notice it because the beds start to get removed and you see more of the wall. But basically all of the games are planned out and it's on the walls for all to see but you just don't know what you're looking for.
1: Do you not think the characters in the game would notice that on the wall then? Or are they just too scared and brainfucked, we'll call it, that they're not really paying attention, they just want to survive and they don't notice? you think you would notice something on the wall like that?
0: I think you would think you would, but the way that this world is set up and all the bright colours and all the, it's all pastel colours everywhere and there's all the steps and all the artwork on the walls everywhere else... I probably suppose it all just kind of melts into each other at one point and you, you begin to stop noticing it.
1: Yeah, like a sensory overload, I suppose. Ji-hoon walks down and this is when he has his first interaction, his first engagement with an old man who I think is called Il-nam, but we don't find that out until later. He's my, he's one of my favourite characters, is the old man. Um, and obviously he, he's got his own story and what he does and we will get to that. But there's a theory... I don't know if you read this one, that it might be Jihoon's dad. And there's certain clues that float about later in the series. you think that's got any legs?
0: There's there's legs to it, I think, based on some of the theories that are out there and some of the things you notice later on. At this point, though... Not right now, no. Nah, it doesn't I don't even consider it. It's not even a... He's just an old dude. And I'm, if anything, I'm thinking, poor bastard, man. His age
1: and he's ended up in this game. That's something I did notice. That he's number one, and obviously Duhon's four, five, six, and he looks at the big screen and he says, "There's four hundred and fifty-six players," and sort of recognises that he's the last in. So there's a first in, last in vibe here straight away. Again, the polar opposites, black and white, the opposite ends of the scale. And that does almost lead to that kind of suggestion that it is his father,
0: or they are linked in some way, because I can't think of anything in the world. Where the the, the number you want to get to is 456. Nothing starts with 456 things in it. So the idea that this old man was number one, and I think the the idea that I had in my head was that, now, not at this point, but what I know now is that he was number one, and they recruited and they recruited and they recruited until they got to him. And he was number 456,
1: and that's why it stopped. Oh, shit, I never thought about that at all, mate. Yeah. I kind of thought that this old guy may have been here before. That was a kind of vibe I picked up that he, because of his age and being number one as if he seemed pretty calm, I just feel like he's maybe been here before and that's something that will maybe...
0: Yeah, possibly. I just always thought that 456 was a bonkers number to finish up on and the
1: idea that they'd recruited until they got to him and then now we begin because Ji-hoon's here. This this is like the coolest fucking scene in it, I think, when these masked people come in their pink jumpsuits. They basically run this show under the guidance of uh, the front man. He's called the guy in the the black mask. You brought up Star Wars in the last episode. Very much Darth Vader-esque here with uh, the way he looks. Again, is is that a, a purposeful thing, do you think? Because he is generally seen as like the baddest baddie in film history or whatever?
0: It could be, yeah. Uh, the, the, the two the two things that came to mind when I was watching it was all the all the masked guys in the jumpsuits are like stormtroopers and he's he's Darth Vader or Darth Maul or whatever you want to be. The other one that came to mind as well, because of the mask, um, was that Frontman was Shredder and they were all the foot soldiers. Because it, if you remember from watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all those foot soldiers just get battered, they were disposable, it didn't matter and that's how you start to see them getting treated as well and, and only Shredder, but he was the boss obviously I don't know who Bebop and Rocksteady are yet in this, but um, that was the other two kind of similarities I had definitely in the Star Wars one, but also the Turtles one as well, and Turtles was huge um, in Asia so it, it could be a, a link there, I don't know,
1: but that's the, my kind of original thought. The entry music we'll call it, it's just the synchronisation, like I mentioned, it's just a really, really cool scene. This front man, basically, is Yipong Huang. Hwa- I'm so glad you're doing these names. Yes, uh, yeah, I've, I've wrote them down in phonetics to try and get them right, and I still can't get them right. He's the only guy, basically, we don't see his face until later on, but he's the only sort of Hollywood actor that appears on it. He's been in things like uh, G.I. Joe, Red 2 with Bruce Willis, Terminator Genisys, which I haven't seen, The Magnificent Seven, so he's the only sort of Hollywood crossover that jumps, I don't think anybody else has been hired from Hollywood.
0: No, I don't think there is, and it's, it's funny because in a future episode, the the actor that plays that character is actually referred to in the show, so in the script that actor's name is mentioned, and there's it's a, it's a, it's a very odd thing to do, it's not something that would normally happen, and it's the, the, the belief is actually because this show was created or written 10 years ago, that was in the original script because he was such a famous name in Korean cinema he and he'd obviously went abroad and he'd worked in America and done Hollywood and everything. So his name was actually just used as an example in the script. And then lo and behold, they forget that little part of the script. He gets um, the, the job 10 years later when they start creating this and they either forget to change it or they leave it in just for fun?
1: Yeah, it's definitely in there for a reason, man. Like, I, I don't particularly think... I think you could obviously replace any name with any name in a script. But yeah, if he was that big an actor, I suppose you would say, look, he's in that. Yeah, So it does kind of make sense because he's got a bit of an interesting story as well. Um, A little bit off-topic here. He, he was blackmailed by a K-pop girl group member, uh Glam was the name of the band that she was in. They tried to blackmail him for 5 billion won, which was about 4 million pounds, in exchange for not releasing a video of him basically supposedly making sexual jokes while drinking with his girlfriend and a couple of friends and stuff like that. He reported it to the police, and yeah, they got done for, for blackmail, basically. They were going to blackmail um, Pong Kwang, basically should be his girlfriend. Um, she claimed that he only used her for entertainment. And again, I think...
0: <laughs> stop about. What does that mean? Like, are you used her for our Netflix, Netflix password? Like, what, yeah. does, what does used her for entertainment mean?
1: I don't know. Me- mentally and physically abused her for his entertainment, I think is what she was trying to get at. Sued him. He countersued, I think, in one of case as well. So
0: he doesn't just, take any shit off these women, does he? He fucking goes to court, goes to the police and wins.
1: Another thing that pops to mind as well, which might be a bit off, off the piste, is Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. And the Oompa
0: Loompas? And not so everything. much
1: the Oompa Loompas, but the, the synchronisation again that I'm getting at is Oompa Loompa, and they're all doing the same things at the same time. But that just kind of jumped into my head anyway was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This isn't anything like that, but this is like a fucking prison that's going to turn into a major hell camp, I suppose. But yeah, that jumped into my mind. I'm not crazy, huh? No, I don't think you are. No more, no more so than usual, no. Definitely not. Um yeah, I can see the vibes. Right, let's get to the pink guys. Basically, they've got their different shapes. So the leading pink guy, um, he's got a square logo on his face mask. Everybody else has got a circle. Uh, and basically, he starts to give them the rundown. And everybody here is in crippling debt, basically. Did you notice that all the players that are highlighted actually owe much more money than Ji-hoon? And this kind of, I suppose, might hint at He's not the player that will stop at nothing to win the money, and he's maybe there as a little bit, he's a little bit unlucky to be there because he, he doesn't owe anywhere near as much money as anybody else.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I did wonder about that at the time because you you've been you've went through this journey already with this guy and seen how miserable he is and how crap his life is at this point because of what he owes and what that's stopping him doing and stopping him having. But you then realise that there's 455 other people here, and they're all even worse. It's it's a real look at that kind of um, that section of society. And for want of a better expression, and this is an explicit podcast, so we do swear sometimes, how fucked these people are. Because we've seen how bad his life is. These guys are all worse. It's it, it's, it's quite eye-opening.
1: Yeah, so we mentioned the guy with a square mask. Do you want to give us a rundown, Colin, of the circles and the triangles, then, and sort of where they rank in the the staffing hierarchy?
0: Yeah, so the workers were in the circle helmets. They tend to be the lowest rank, um, and they're not allowed to speak unless a worker of a higher rank speaks to them first. You find out, and they're given jobs kind of like carrying away the dead bodies um, after the contestants are killed. All all the glamorous stuff. If you've got a triangle mask, you are a slightly higher rank than the circle employees. But you must still obey orders given to those with the square mask. Given by those with the square masks. And the guys wearing the triangle masks, they have the authority to hold guns. And they can shoot contestants who fail in the games. So, well done. You've been promoted. You can now kill folk.
1: Yeah, they're kind of like the referees, the umpires, basically, during these games. Yeah, the triangles.
0: They make sure the rules are followed. Um, and then you've got your employees that have got the square masks. They're the highest authority. They kind of are the bosses of all the workers in the pink jump- jumpsuits, and they answer directly to the front man. Uh, they man the CCTV cameras use, and use them, and they're the ones that speak to the contestants at the start of each round and give a little bit of basil expedition as well for the guys and what they're going to be doing.
1: Yeah, this control center, this setting's pretty cool as well because it just looks like an arcade. Again, just a, a place that you go to have fun as a child. So arcade games, there's all sorts of wacky stuff about core temperatures and lots of red and greens and yellows getting used here, the sort of traffic light system where things are good, bad, or sort of in the middle, but it does look, it looks pretty cool. The people here are given a chance to win enough money. It's not specified here, but apparently it's enough to fill up this massive piggy bank that they bring into it. Man, like, this was really cool as well. Maybe harking back to the, the claw game, basically but it's not a claw that comes down, it's a big uh, piggy bank. It's full of actual cash, and I hated that, right? I did think, right? No, at this point it comes in, it doesn't get filled up until later, remember? Yeah, I beg your pardon. So yeah, th- this
0: this big piggy bank does come in, and I suppose at this point it's just a symbol of money and a bank, and at the minute, you're all empty, this is empty, but we can potentially fill this up and fill you up with money, which is a little bit more kind of foreshadowing imagery and stuff like that. But like to jump ahead a little bit, I did get annoyed as it started to fill with money, because you know me, Jack, I hate cash money. I like just being contactless and having my phone and stuff like that. So the idea of going through all this trial and tribulations and then getting given all these fucking grubby, horrible banknotes, I would have wanted to say to the, to, to the main man, excuse me, can I just get a bank transfer, please?
1: Well, that's eventually what happens, to be fair. It's not like he walks out with a big sack of cash.
0: So where does all that money go? That's my question as well. So in the end, when it does just go into his account and he has that, that card, was all that money just for show? Like, where Does that go to the sponsors? Where it's all that money just for no reason?
1: These people are fucking criminals, obviously. So they need to clean their money and launder it. So I imagine they laundered it somehow. You can't do anything with that much cash. You can't do anything with £28 million in cash. I would give it a, a bash. You go and buy a car. If you, you hand over a sack of cash, you're getting reported to the police. It's it's definitely a symbol rather than this is the cash you're getting. Now, to win this, they need to sign a really simple consent form. There's three rules in this column. The first clause says that the player is not allowed to stop playing, although the third clause says that games may be terminated if the majority agrees. The middle clause, the second clause, says that players who refuse to play will be eliminated in inverted commas. Obviously, very ambiguous terms getting used here. Who's the majority? Is it the majority of the participants? Is it the masked officials? What happens? What does elimination mean? None of these questions are answered, and this scene sort of demonstrates that acting rationally, basically, is pretty rare, almost non-existent in human nature, almost. Especially if you've got money troubles. Gihon just looks about, and everybody else is saying that, so he kind of sings it yourself and just goes with the, the crowd. It's, it's a golden
0: rule in things, isn't it, in life that you you don't say anything without reading it. You have to understand it. I'll let my lawyer read this first, all that sort of stuff. These people don't have lawyers. These people don't have the time and the energy to analyse a contract or take things like that too seriously. They're all there because they're absolutely desperate. Everybody even more desperate and feary than, than what he is. You've just found out and they need the money so bad sign sign, sign. I mean this is the same guy that signed a similar thing with his blood not long ago, so it's the it's just as you look at this desperate part of society and how people in debt will try and do anything to try and pull themselves out of it,
1: yeah, so they all sign it, and everybody makes their way through the coolest bit. I'm going to say that a lot, I think, but just the coolest bit of the show is this the staircase vibe that they've got going on. Very much reminds you of you ever seen the picture that's black and white, though, where the stairs they don't you don't know if they're going up or down,
0: yes. Uh huh,
1: yeah, it's called Relativity, it's by MC Escher, I think, also called Sesame Street. It's got a couple of names, but yeah, Relativity, you don't know up from down, you don't know your arse from your elbow, mass confusion, but it's just so cool, man. Like, again, I don't have much more to add apart from sweet,
0: yeah, it just looks great. And if someone could maybe build that and then take it on tour so people could go and get their photos taken on it, sign me up. Questions, queries, theories.
1: Andy from that UFO podcast we know, our friend, he reckons that there are numerous squid games going on in various countries around the world in which we will then see the second series moved to the USA. I hadn't thought about multiple squid games, but I think this is... I it quite common, I think a few people have sort of brought this up as well, mate, is that right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's came up from a few people. I think it can work in two ways, um, which is why there's a good chance it could happen. It could work in one way from a storyline point of view, because there's absolutely no reason why this can't all be going on all around the world. And if you think about the sort of organisation and planning that goes into this, it would make sense to be doing it on scale and en masse, rather than just in career. The other reason why I think there's really a little bit more to this as well is that if you think about TV shows like The Walking Dead Jack, that's had five different spin-offs now of different shows that came from it. Think about all your CSIs and Miami, Vegas, all this sort of stuff, this show could very easily scope out for Netflix and you could actually they could actually give a bunch of money to an American director an American screenwriter and to somebody in Australia somebody in Germany, somebody in Britain and ask them to go away and make your Squid Game and it becomes a massive franchise for Netflix at this point and you've got the original one which could stay canon and you've got the season 2 of that that stays canon, stays with the original story but you've got these other worlds that open up by open out to other screenwriters, to other directors and other actors and stuff like that and I think with the impact that this has had and the number of people that have watched it I just think the money will talk, and you are probably going to see that, whether it was the original creator's design or
1: idea or not. I don't think that would have been, but you've absolutely smashed it out of the park, then. I think, mate, like Squid Game Russia, I can imagine the Eastern Bloc setup of that, like the vibes you would get from that rather than your Korean sort of bright colours and things like that. It could be more dank, for example, or if you went to America, it could be. Like military based or something. There's definitely scope for country specific squid games, man. Yeah,
0: go to Australia and you're fighting crocodiles.
1: You can go you can, <laughs> kangaroos kicking fuck out of you. Yeah. yeah, you can
0: go. You could actually go down the lazy stereotype. Look, uh, look with it really easily, and it, it could, but it could actually be a lot of fun. Um So yeah, there's. I I, I just think the way it's going, this universe is going to grow and grow. And the original guy will make a fortune out of it and Netflix will make a fortune out of it. So whether it becomes canon and part of the actual story in terms of it going worldwide or not, I think it will regardless uh, through Netflix
1: more than anything else. Andy got in contact on Twitter. Um, That's all we have socially. It is at player 456 pod. So any questions, queries or theories, get in contact on there and we'll look to read them out. Colin, cheers, man. I really enjoyed that. Fun again.
0: Yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. It was really good. And um, next time we talk, we are going to be getting right into a red light, green light, which I'm very excited about.